0: The Dr. Coffee Podcast is proudly brought to you by Indemnimed. Welcome to the Dr. Coffee Podcast, your weekly blend of motivation, encouragement, education, and insight into all things medicine for junior doctors and medical students in South Africa. Happy New Year and welcome to 2024. As a bit of a life update on my side, I'm happy to report that I've started my community service here at Clarksville Chipong Hospital in the Northwest Province, in the Department of Orthopaedics. I'm looking forward to these new challenges and a new opportunity from a career perspective, and I'm sure it will also frame the content of the Dr. Coffee podcast in a new way now that I've completed my internship years. In today's episode, we'll be doing a deep dive into the various courses and diplomas that you should be working towards before during and after your community service year now many medical students and junior doctors are asked what they would like to specialize in if at all and very few are asked about how they intend to get there certainly i think for most of us we only really find out about the road to a specialty after we've decided that we have an interest in it whether that be as a medical student or an intern doctor well today i hope to provide a lot of information as well as some inspiration to help you chart your course forward in medicine. We'll begin with a discussion about the 10 most important postgraduate courses that I believe junior doctors should register for with motivation and explanation, and then a discussion of the various diplomas and further qualifications that you can get that are recognized by the HBCSA and the Colleges of Medicine of South Africa. But first, as always, let's take a brief moment to mention the sponsors of this podcast. I'd like to thank and welcome our newest long term sponsor of the Dr. Coffee podcast, and that's none other than WizMed. WizMed is a startup that was founded by two UCT medical students, Waheed and Ashraf. They established WizMed in 2020 with a vision to distributing the absolute highest quality medical equipment and making it accessible at unbeatable prices. Since then, Wismed has become a beacon of both innovation and affordability in the medical space. They hold the distinction of being the youngest 3M Littman authorized distributor in the world, demonstrating their commitment to excellence and breaking new ground. One of Wizmed's notable achievements is their unique product range, tailored specifically to the needs of medical students and professionals. This includes their first in South Africa stethoscope laser engraving, the innovative Wispod stethoscope cases, and their signature Wiz scrubs. Their scrubs are a standout, designed meticulously with multifunction pockets that are perfect for all your necessities on a long call. Their affordability, literally the best value scrubs in South Africa, and their practical design embody WizMed's approach encapsulated by the phrase for students, by students. Taking their mission further, WizMed recently launched the WizMed Foundation to subsidize equipment for students in need. And they promise to match every single donation made at checkout. So discover everything you need for medical school and beyond at Wizmed.co.za. As a listener to the Doctor Coffee podcast, Wizmed is also offering you a ten percent discount on all their Wiz Scrubs. Simply use the code Coffee Ten. That's Coffee One Zero at checkout to save ten percent on their high quality scrubs. Again, that website is wizmed.co.za and give them a follow at wizmedofficial on Instagram. V Professional Services is a medical practice administrator, medical bureau and a professional medical accountant. If you're a new healthcare practitioner, they'll help you from the beginning to the end, from registration to the practice management and training. And if you're a healthcare professional with another medical billing company, they'll assist you in moving over all your information with no financial loss all worries. V Professional Services assist a variety of healthcare practitioners with agents across South Africa. Their recovery rate on medical claims is between 95% and 100%. The outcome is that practitioners maintain control of their practices and are able to focus on treating patients, while V Professional Services provide them with healthcare expertise along with all of the professional tools they need to succeed. You can find out more about vProfessional Services by visiting their website at www.vprofservices.com and checking out their social media on Instagram with the username at vprofservices. Thank you to vProfessional Services for their support of the podcast. Alright so now we're coming to part one, courses and certificates to do and when to do them. Now this is not an exhaustive list of courses, but it is quite comprehensive and it covers all of the most common and most important courses for junior doctors to register for. All of us should register for a number of these courses in order for us to be competent practitioners and to be competitive in the job market. The first five or six out of this list of ten should be considered as the bread and butter most common courses. Courses need to be accredited so check this before you register with any course providers and they also give you continuing education or continuing professional development points. So if you're a student or an intern you don't need to worry about CEU or CPD points but if you're a medical officer, even one in community service, you need to ensure that you start getting the right number of points which is usually 36 points every two years. I won't make mention of any of the points in the description of the courses I discuss For a couple of reasons first of all the CPD points for each are variable and second because this information is actually easily accessible on the course registration sites and third because if you're doing the courses as mentioned or described in this episode you will far exceed the number of points needed anyway so don't stress about it course number one and one that everyone should do is basic life support or BLS for healthcare providers the cost is relatively affordable and it's a gateway course to more advanced training more importantly, the course will equip you to participate as a team member in an effective recess and give you confidence in CPR and emergency life-threatening settings. The course is usually held over one day, there's a book to study beforehand, and once you complete the course, you'll be given a certificate that enables you to register for more advanced courses. The course contents includes CPR in patients of different ages, basic airway management, rescue breathing, use of bag, valve, breathing masks, and AED, or automated external defibrillation. In order to do BLS, you must have registered with the HBCSA, so this is not something you need to worry about in your student years, and you'll get training in BLS in med school anyway, but you just won't get accreditation for it. My recommendation, and in fact many people's recommendation, is that you do this course in the first or second year of internship. They'll be useful to you in recesses and is a stepping stone to acls in your community service year so anytime an internship is a good time to do bls course number two and for the sake of continuity we come to acls which is advanced cardiac life support this is a two and a half day course that is more advanced than bls covering topics in especially cardiac arrest and peri-arrest conditions The foundation of the ACLS course is important algorithms for a systematic approach to respiratory arrest, various cardiac arrhythmias, and shockable rhythms. In addition, you'll be able to identify and treat ischemic heart pain, manage acute coronary syndromes and strokes, and provide effective initial care and transfer of patients to reduce disability and death from life-threatening conditions. As I said, and of course in the name, ACLS is a more advanced course focused on cardiac and respiratory systems it's a little bit more costly than bls usually about three times the cost but still relatively affordable of note is that the accreditation only lasts for two years after which time you'd need to do a refresher to stay current for that reason my timing advice would be to do acls right at the very end of internship before starting in ComServe or at the start of community service during your internship years you should be practicing under supervision anyway and acls is probably a wasted investment at this stage by doing the course at the end of internship or early in your community service you have the knowledge skills and accreditation for comserv as well as for your first year of medical officer time post comserv acls courses are offered across the country by various training centers but slots are limited and fill up fast so don't forget to register for acls as soon as is appropriate for you once you've completed acls and you've been certified you need only register for refresher courses going forward. Number three is Pediatric Advanced Life Support or PALS. Occasionally you may also hear of the course APLS. PALS is similar to ACLS but a little bit broader and is obviously focused on a pediatric patient population. The course will train you to treat seriously ill and distressed peds patients, recognize and treat resp distress and failure, shock and other life-threatening conditions. In addition to the skills in ACLS, you'll also learn airway and ventilation management for children and IV access techniques such as inserting an intraosseous line and fluid bolus management. Although it's not required, it is recommended that you do ACLS before PELS as many of the concepts in this course build on ACLS principles. PELS accreditation also lasts for two years, so it's a good idea to do this course in your commserve year or consider doing it in internship if you're interested in pediatrics or emergency medicine so that you have accreditation and skills before COMserve and can be equipped for when you're working in pediatrics or casualty in community service apls accreditation lasts for four years i'll admit i do not know fully the difference between pals and apls other than that they're offered by different institutions but both of them cover similar topics once again after your initial course certification you'll only need refreshers in future to keep your accreditation in PELS. This brings us to course number four, ATLS, Advanced Trauma Life Support. Now, this is an extremely difficult course to register for. This is because of the limited number of spaces and the course dates that are available, as well as the nature of the course, because it is a requirement for many surgical registrar programs. So the waiting lists for a spot in ATLS is often two years or more. The course is fantastic for anyone interested in trauma or wanting to further their career in surgery and surgery subspecs. The content is based on established principles of trauma management and provides a standardized, safe approach to immediate management of trauma patients. I'm sure you've heard a patient presentation where the doctor says that a patient was cleared according to ATLS principles, whether or not the treating doctor was in fact accredited in ATLS. It has become such a cornerstone of surgical management of patients. As I said, ATLS is required for many surgical reg programs. The good news is that an ATLS accreditation is valid for four years. So for ATLS, do it as early as you possibly can, which in reality is usually only in community service or after community service for many doctors. Course number five is a high certification in ECG interpretation and this is often offered with a short course in pharmacology so that you know how to act on certain important ECG findings. ECG courses can be variable based on the institution you're training with, so be sure to check the details for your specific course. However, in general, these tend to be one-day workshops and in-depth courses focused on ECG principles and a systematic approach to recognition and emergency management of arrhythmias, defibrillation, pacing and pacemakers, and synchronized cardioversion, as well as conditions that can cause ECG changes, such as acute coronary syndromes, electrolytes and metabolic disturbances, and things like that. If your ECG course includes a pharmacology component, it will typically cover the agents used that respond to your ECG findings, such as vasopressors, antiarrhythmics, and rate control agents to name just a few. ECG courses are highly recommended for anyone who wants to further their knowledge of ECGs and anyone who routinely manages patients with ECGs or needs to respond to cardiac emergencies in patients. My personal recommendation is to do a course in ECGs in your second year of internship or during community service. The next course on our list is the basic surgical skills course. This course is offered throughout the year in various medical schools and health sciences faculties and is recognized by the Colleges of Medicine of South Africa. The course runs over three days and is designed to give you an introduction to safe surgical practice. It includes basic surgical techniques, bowel anastomosis, vascular techniques, wound closure, trauma and tendon repairs, minimal access surgery and use of surgical tools such as diathermy. You'll be equipped to be a better surgeon with dexterity skills and safe practice skills all of which is taught in a controlled workshop environment under supervision and with constructive feedback for further practice and improvement the best time to do basic surgical skills is in internship or commsurf because you're going to need to complete it before you're allowed to write the fcs primaries for surgery if you're at all interested in specializing as a surgeon one day this is a must for you so do it in second year of internship or very early in community service so that you have it done in time to prepare for primaries and have your primaries done before the end of your community service year. Course number seven on my list of top 10 courses to complete as a junior doctor is EMSSA EPOCUS course. That is the Emergency Medicine Society of South Africa Emergency Point of Care Ultrasound course. The Emergency Point-of-Care Ultrasound course is open to all HPCSA-registered health professionals who want to learn basic skills of Point-of-Care Ultrasound, especially useful if you're working in an emergency setting like a medical casualty or a trauma casualty. Unlike some of the other courses in this list, the ePocus course also has different levels to it. So there's an initial ePocus course and then more advanced courses that give you skills in obstetric and gynecology scans, hepatobiliary scans deep vein thrombosis assessments, and so on. I recently interviewed Dr. Marcus Kruger in an Espresso Shots episode that was devoted to the topic of this course and who should attend and why, so if you're interested please check out that episode for more details. I would also suggest doing the course in ComServe or even perhaps earlier if you're particularly interested in the emergency room setting. Course number 8 is Advanced Medical Life Support. As the name would suggest, this course is like the ATLS of internal medicine. It covers a wide range of life-threatening medical emergencies such as various types of shock, acute chest pain, breathing problems, toxidromes and overdoses, acute abdominal pain, renal failure, headaches and even rashes. The course also includes interpretation of important medical investigations such as a chest x-ray, ECGs, blood gases and blood results. The course is a two-day workshop and you must have a valid BLS accreditation to register for AMLS. This course is not necessarily a need to have for entering into an internal medicine registrar program in the same way that ATLS is a need for surgery. However, it definitely would help if you're interested in emergency medicine, internal medicine and its suspects, or just being equipped to manage emergency medical situations better. This is definitely another one to consider adding to your CV to become a well-rounded and skilled professional course number nine is international trauma life support or ITLS because of the current backlog of ATLS spaces it's made this course swell in popularity recently ITLS is not the same as ATLS in that there's not the same focus on surgical skills as there is in ATLS however ITLS is a great course for the management of all trauma patients and the next best thing to having an ATLS certificate. The ITLS course teaches a systematic approach to the assessment and management of trauma victims. It covers topics including scene safety and initial triage, assessment and initial management of trauma victims, airway management, shock and control of bleeding, head and spinal trauma, chest trauma, abdominal trauma, extremity trauma, burns, Trauma in different population groups such as pregnants, children and the elderly and Trauma Cardiac Arrest Some of the skill stations that you can look forward to in ITLS include control of life-threatening bleeding using various techniques such as tourniquets and hemostatic agents, IV and intraosseous access, decompression of tension pneumothoraces, spinal motion restriction and extrication of patients in various settings using various items of equipment and stabilization of extremity trauma. If you're unable to get an ATLS course date, then ITLS is probably the next best thing, and so I would recommend you do this course in ComServe if you're not able to get to an ATLS course. However, if you're aiming for a surgical reg post or intend on working in trauma, don't neglect to follow up on an ATLS course because it's still the number one course for trauma and of course is a prerequisite for writing intermediates in some surgical specialties. Finally, we come to course number 10, which is Rural Life Support, or RULS. Not widely offered or known about, Rural Life Support is currently being offered by Northwest University throughout the year, and it offers emergency skill training for primary and rural healthcare providers. The topics actually cover a broad range of suspects and interests, and I dare say that this would be a great course before doing your family medicine rotation in second year of internship, or to prepare you if you're placed in a rural or CHC post for community service. So for that reason, I suggest that you do this course in first year internship so it can become a stepping stone for other courses and also gives you additional expertise for other rotations in your internship training. There are many other courses to register for and attend, such as the basic ICU course or the neonatal resuscitation and advanced life support course, which is not discussed in this episode, as well as various other short courses and workshops that are available online. My suggestion would be to check on the Department of Health Knowledge Hub websites, that's knowledgehub.health.gov.za forward slash courses, or on EM guidance, where many of the short courses are CPD accredited for shorter course content that can be of value to your knowledge, skill, and training as a surgeon or medical professional. Remember, becoming a doctor is a commitment to lifelong learning. Your medical degree is a license to learn, as much as it is a license to practice. Before we discuss diplomas in the next section of this podcast, let's take a brief diversion into one of our sponsors of today's episode. Let's take a quick break from the podcast to tell you a little bit more about one of our sponsors on this week's episode, V Professional Services. As we said earlier, they're a medical practice administration and medical billing service provider with national distribution and reach. They've been in the profession for over 13 years and have a recovery rate on medical claims of more than 95%. Their attention is focused on saving you, as the clinician, time and money. vProfessional Services protects the goodwill of your practice and cherishes the relationships you have with your patients, positively influencing financial performance and turning around obstacles that prevent your practice from achieving its goals. Having worked with some of the best partners in the world of healthcare, vProfessional Services has extensive insights and a genuine understanding of what is required to run a successful medical practice. This knowledge and expertise, along with their high service delivery standards, allow vProfessional Services to provide the best solutions and comprehensive support to healthcare providers across South Africa. They create a tailor-made package for your practice needs and only bill on what they recover. Their service also includes all the setup costs for the hardware and software required to manage online billing and practice management systems. V Professional Services are one of the only service providers in the country registered for debit order management. It means that they can monitor debtors accurately and effectively by ensuring that you receive all funds, be it private patients or short payments by medical scheme companies, in a fraction of the time normally spent collecting these amounts. It also ensures a highly efficient collection rate, without the need for any costly legal action taken or patient liable amounts being written off. They supply you with a patient information form accompanied by a debit order mandate, and then any amounts due are collected in a simple and cost-effective manner, without the patient being phoned or harassed. This keeps your practice goodwill intact and has an explosive effect on your cash flow as uncollectible amounts practically fall to zero. So get in touch with vProfessional Services today to find out more about their services, including electronic submission of claims to medical aid companies, efficient and professional administration and collection of these claims and private patient fees, detailed reports on all patient visits, payments outstanding and received, backup of medical data daily, IT support, accounting services and payroll management, tax advisory services and legal assistance. You can book an appointment on their website or reach them on email by sending a message to marketing at vprof.co.za. You can of course also call 012 348 3567. Now we come to a brief discussion on the various diplomas you can obtain which are specialist postgraduate certifications recognised by the Colleges of Medicine of South Africa. Of note is that these diplomas are not the same as becoming a specialist which is when you complete a 4, 5 or sometimes even 7 year course of registrar training to specialise rather these are diploma in the area that you're interested in also some specialties don't offer diplomas as such but instead offer different levels of exams and qualification within them like primaries intermediates and final exit exams so to illustrate this i'll highlight the difference between the road to becoming a specialist physician in internal medicine which is the fcp and becoming a specialist general surgeon which is the fcs in internal medicine you may apply to write the Diploma of Internal Medicine exam once you have completed at least six months of internal medicine medical officer time in an accredited hospital. So if you're a ComServe doctor at a tertiary hospital and you work in the Department of Internal Medicine, this would usually afford you the opportunity to sit for these exams. If you're not in an accredited facility for ComServe, you can still prepare for the exam and revise the topics. But you won't be able to write the exam until after you've completed a period of mo time in internal medicine post-comm serve according to the cmsa website a diploma in internal medicine is not necessarily required in order to write your part one of the internal medicine exams which form part of the fcp training however of course that stands you in good stead to get more experience in a medical officer post And looks good on your cv when you're applying for internal medicine registrar posts moving to surgery in order to write your general surgery primaries which also apply to other surgical specialties such as orthopedics you must have completed the basic surgical skills course that i mentioned earlier primaries are a prerequisite for a registrar post and the landscape being as competitive as it is many applicants even have intermediates as well as a few years experience before they even accept it into a registrar post. For those who do have some experience, you may consider doing a higher diploma in surgery or HDip surgery. The requirements as per the CMSA websites are that the surgeon must have a minimum of six months trauma surgery, which can be either in gen surge, but ideally in the trauma subspec with exposure to an ICU setting as well. And then 18 months of surgery medical officer time of which at least 12 months must be in general surgery and then ideally a further rotation through any of urology, ENT, plastic and reconstructive surgery, surge, neurosurge or orthopedics. And then you also need to complete a surgical logbook which is available from the CMSA website that will be required for documenting your training experience and your academic activities. This must be signed off by a supervising registered general surgeon so all of those requirements taken into consideration you can then apply for a higher diploma in surgery. To complete your training as a surgeon though, you'd need to complete your FCS part ones, which is your intermediates, and FCS part twos, which is usually the exit exam you take before the completion of registrar time. Now, without going into detail about all of the various different colleges within the Colleges of Medicine of South Africa, some of the diplomas that are extremely competitive and advantageous in South Africa include, number one, a diploma in primary emergency care, or DPEC, And this is useful because it helps for both internal medicine as well as if you want to work in emergency departments in public or private hospitals, especially with the job market being how it is. If you aren't guaranteed a post-comp serve, this is a good way to make sure you can locum or work in EDs second a diploma in anesthetics which is usually obtainable after six months of anesthetics time in ComServ, and is highly competitive and allows you to work in anesthetics as an anesthetist which is very different from being an anesthesiologist as we discussed in episode 40 of the dr coffee podcast number three is a diploma in hiv management which is broadly useful in our setting in south africa but particularly advantageous if you're interested in either family medicine or internal medicine number four a diploma in obstetrics and gynaecology which is obviously useful if you'd like it, to go into obs and gyni, but also if you have an interest in reproductive and sexual health and family medicine number five is a diploma in child health now if you work in pediatrics in community service and are working towards a medical officer or registrar post in pediatrics this is the diploma that you should be hunting We've already mentioned the diploma in internal medicine earlier as well as the higher diploma in surgery. But lastly, I also want to make mention of the diploma in mental health, which is for all of the budding psychiatrists among us. But obviously you need to have exposure in psychiatry, just as in all of the other diplomas, you need to have some exposure. This is why it's so important in community service, if you're able to choose your rotation at the hospital you're working at, to check the accreditation, And then to make sure you get that time that's supervised and signed off so that you can apply for these diplomas it's not an exhaustive list of the diplomas one can work towards however i highlight these diplomas because these are often the ones considered most competitive on your cv and that provide the broadest opportunities to doctors working in south africa and particularly if you have a practice focus and a special interest that you know you want to work in to round out this episode I'm going to quickly work through the list of the various colleges that form the Colleges of Medicine of South Africa. These are all menus within the CMSA website, so there are further instructions within each on how to specialise within these colleges or schools of medicine, so these represent the broad types of specialist doctor that you can aspire to be in South Africa. Remember that if you're particularly interested in a field in South African medicine, We may have already interviewed a consultant in that discipline to follow their journey and their path and their career choices. So be sure to check out the catalog of episodes available for free on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other platforms. Without further delay, here is that list of colleges of the CMSA College of Anaesthetists, College of Cardiothoracic Surgeons, College of Clinical Pharmacologists, College of Dentistry. College of Dermatologists, College of Emergency Medicine, College of Family Physicians, College of Forensic Pathologists, College of Maxillofacial and Oral Surgeons, College of Medical Geneticists, College of Neurologists, College of Neurosurgeons, College of Nuclear Physicians, College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, College of Ophthalmologists, College of Orthopedic Surgeons, College of Otorhinolaryngologists, College of Pediatric Surgeons, College of Pediatricians, College of Pathologists, College of Physicians, College of Plastic Surgeons, College of Psychiatrists, College of Public Health Medicine, College of Radiation Oncologists, College of Radiologists, College of Sports and Exercise Medicine, College of Surgeons and College of Urologists. Phew, we made it through the list of them all. Well, that's it for this week's episode. Let us know what you thought about it in the comments on Instagram or via email. The podcast's email address is drcoffeeza at gmail.com. That's drcoffeeza with no punctuation marks. You can also interact with us using the q a function on spotify every episode of the podcast has it where you can share your thoughts ask questions or respond to the episode thank you so much for listening